0: Well, good morning. I thought that'd be a neat, creative way to share with you the, the story of chapter 17. That was your cliff notes right there. So I hope you're taking notes on it. We've got to test later on. The title of the sermon this morning is Seeing God in the Valleys of Life. <clears throat> Some valleys in life just hit us. Maybe a loss of a loved one, our job. I remember setting in, or I just got through taking a shower. I was 16 years old and Come out of the shower, my dad comes knocking on the door and said, Hey, one of your buddies got killed last night. Boom. I was instantly found myself in a valley of loss, of losing a friend, a a good friend, in a car wreck. Some valleys in life come over a long period of time. Maybe generational. Maybe it's that roller coaster ride that we find the nation of Israel on. Some valleys in life last a while while others, just a short time. Some valleys in life are brought on by ourselves through our free will, through our sins. God has a plan and can use the valleys in our lives. You may wonder, why in the world did I just lose my job but maybe God's saying, I've got something planned for you around the corner. God can use our valleys in life to be a part of our living testimony of the grace and the love that God has for each and every one of us. This morning at first, let's look at the tale of the good, the bad, and the evil. We're going to look at some of these uh, kings that were in the southern kingdom, and uh, kings of Judah. First, we're going to look at the good kings, 2 kings and Second Kings chapter 18, verse 3, and chapter 22, verse 2, says there, and he, talking about Hezekiah, did what was right in the eyes of the Lord according to all that David his father had done. And 2 Kings 22, 2 says, And he, Josiah, did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the way of David his father. And he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. Leaving a legacy can be good. and It's a very important task for each and every one of us to think about in our lives. We may not have been left a legacy of faith in our life, but guess what? We can be the one that leaves it for the next ...generation. It's a start that you're here today. Maybe this is your first time. Maybe you found yourself in a valley... ...and you don't know how to get out of it. Maybe in your life it's just been a a big valley. Maybe you grew up with abuse and neglect... ...and whatever it may be. But you can turn the tide. You can turn and change... ...the legacy that is left for the next generations. To leave a legacy means that we have to have something... ...to leave. The best legacy that we can leave is Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? I don't know about you, but I know that's the greatest thing that I've ever received, the greatest thing I've ever accepted, the greatest thing that I've ever chose was to choose Jesus Christ. We can be that living sermon daily to our spouse, to our kids, to our co-worker, to our classmates. King Hezekiah in 2 Kings 18 says, in the third year of Hosea... Son of law, king of Israel, Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, had done. He accepted that legacy that was left and took forth that legacy. As we know, as Sid preached about last week about Hezekiah... That he turned, the, the nation of Israel, the Judah here, was just not good. They turned the temple into worshiping idols and all these other things. But he turned that around, Hezekiah had, and turned back to God. And it said, a short part of what it talks about, Hezekiah in scripture says, he held fast to the Lord. He's willing to turn the nation back to the Lord. A few kings later, we find King Josiah. In in 2 Kings chapter 22, if you have your Bible, just kind of keep flipping through as I talk here. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. Pretty young. Can you imagine being eight years old and your king? It says, And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and walked in all the way of David his father. And he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Josiah could... See the valley that Judah had found themselves in. He was willing to do whatever it took to get them turned back to God. Maybe you're here this morning your family's kind of turning aside. You're turning to a valley. It's time. We always have time to turn it back. Turn that ship back to God. He was the son of Ammon, as we'll talk about later on. He was an evil king. So we see here that he is proof that you can come from evil but you can still prevail in your life. I bet some of you can get an amen on that one. Maybe grew up with just bad, negativity, junk, but you still prevail because of what? Because of Jesus Christ. I want you to ask a question to yourself this morning. Are you leaving a good legacy for your spouse, for your friends, for your coworkers, for your kids? Now let's look at some of the bad and evil kings. 2 Kings 21, verse 2 and 20. talks about he, Manasseh, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the despicable practices of the nation, whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. And then on verse 20, And he, Ham, Ammon, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, as Manasseh his father had done. I want you to kind of just key in on that one. As I read through these different kings... Think about that. Think about what their father had done and what the footsteps they followed in. Leaving a legacy can be bad and evil as well. Talk about leaving a good legacy or a great legacy. The cycle of bad and evil can last for generations as we can see with some of these kings. It's just kind of handed down from one generation to the next. Talk about Manasseh here in 2 Kings Chapter 21, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. Think about, listen to some of these things he did. For he rebuilt the high places that Hezekiah, so remember Hezekiah came in and cleaned house, got the people turned back to God. So he goes in and and turns it back to idols. He erected altars of Baal and made an Asherah. As Ahab, king of Israel, had done, and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. And he built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, In Jerusalem will I put my name. And he built altars for all the hosts of the heaven and, to the, and in the two courts of the house of the Lord. Listen to this. This is how evil he got. And he burned his son as an offering and used fortune-telling and omens and dealt with mediums. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. Manasseh is proof that you can come from a good God-fearing family, faithful father in Hezekiah, and still choose to do bad, choose to do evil. I want you to key in on that word choose. We have choices in life. When I go to judgment day, I'm, not gonna, I'm going to be to judgment for Justin Danielson and as well as being a minister for the things I preach and teach. But I'm going for, for what I have done, or lack thereof done. So we have to remember that. We have a choice. We find Manasseh, he, was, he did bad and evil things, but later on, when he was caught up in captivity in Babylon and 2 Chronicles, we find that he repented. Sometimes it takes us being between a rock and a hard place to finally look up to finally maybe accept God, accept Jesus Christ. I grew up with a little bit, and I'll talk about it here later, but for me, that rock and hard place was my freshman year of college. I had all these choices I had to make, and, and I made my mind, I'm not going to do these things, and I found myself my freshman year doing some of the things I said I would not do when I got there. Man, I was beating myself up, and, but after that freshman year, I went back home, Got back right with the Lord, started to get my path straight with him. Sometimes it takes between that rock and a hard place. Go to Ammon. We talked about him earlier in 2 Kings 21, 19 and following. Ammon was 22 years old when he began to reign. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord as Manasseh, his father, had done. You see in this legacy that's left? He walked in all the way in which his father walked and served the idols that his father had served and worshipped them. He abandoned the Lord, the God of his fathers, and did not walk in the way of the Lord. Maybe you came this morning and you have abandoned the Lord. You've accepted him. You've walked with him. But you have found yourself abandoning him. There's hope. And we'll share that here in a little while. There is hope. Ammon chose not to walk with the Lord. He had this position of being a king, but he chose not to walk with the Lord. Jehoaz, we find in 2 Kings 23. Jehoaz was 23 years old when he began to reign and reigned a whopping three months. But in that three months, he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his fathers had done. Jehoiakim in 2 Kings 23 25, when he took over. And it says he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that his fathers had done. Jehoiachin, same thing, 18 years old, became king. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that his fathers had done. If you are a father here this morning, are you getting the message? We have a choice to make a good legacy and leave one, or we have an opportunity to leave a bad and evil legacy. Boy, we need to step up to the plate. Am I right? We need to step up. Look at these guys. They kept following their fathers. They kept doing evil and evil and evil. We have to choose to make the right decisions. It is our choice. Don't blame it on anybody else. It is your choice to choose Jesus Christ. Accept him and live for him and him alone. Not for self anymore. Not for somebody else. Look at this, over and over, they fell to Babylon. Then Zedekiah comes up, once again, 21 years old, he became king. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that Jehoiakim had done. For because of the anger of the Lord, it came to the point of Jerusalem and Judah. And he cast them out from his presence. There's a study that was done back in the 90s, and I think it still holds true today. It said that if a father is, is regular in attendance and, and is, is uh, uh, following the Lord as well as the mother, a kid has 33 percent chance of following in those footsteps of saying, "I am going to follow," and be a, 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 a strong uh, supporter of church, strong supporter of Jesus Christ. If the father is kind of irregular and the mother's faithful, three percent chance. If the father does not go at all and the mother goes and is the only one that goes. 2% chance that the children will become a Christian and a follower of Jesus Christ. Fathers, are we seeing the pattern here? We need to leave a legacy to our children. It is our responsibility to leave that legacy. Not to sit on our hands, not to sit on and watch the TV. It's our responsibility to train up our child in the way they should go. Right? Well, I'm happy to say that I'm a two or three percenter. My mom was faithful and faithful and faithful. Sorry. But I'm so glad of the faithfulness of my mom. My dad was early on, he kind of started not going very much. But the faithfulness of my mom to pray for us every day, to give us a hope and a future, to know that there's something better in life. Something better in life. We bounced around from church to church. My junior year, I found Myland Christian Church. Started going there. Mom became faithful there as well. Faithful to this day. She has great friends from her church. We need to take notice of the valley that these kings was leaving as legacy to their sons here. And see that we need to be faithful and it's not just fathers. It's fathers and mothers. We need to do this as a team. We need to be unified in our walk with the Lord and leave in a lasting good and great legacy. Let's look at the tale of two prophets. Jeremiah the prophet first. He's, his name means Yahweh appoints or establishes. Jeremiah was a priest before he became a prophet. It says in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 of his call and, and to whom. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Man, these are beautiful words here. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. While he was in his mother's womb, God appointed him. He knew he had something special for Jeremiah. He was called to the people of Judah, the southern kingdom here. In it's capital city, Jerusalem. Jeremiah had some fears and failures, though. We find in Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 6 through 10... I'll just talk about some of that. But, but Jeremiah said, but, but I can't. I can't speak. Does that sound familiar in Scripture? He said, but I'm only a youth. But God takes care of all of that. He says about the youth part, Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And, and the Lord put on his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words And your mouth. See, I've set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down and to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Jeremiah had his excuses when he was called. God says, I've got your back. I'm here to provide for you. God may be calling you today and you may be holding back. Well, well, but I can't share the gospel with so and so. Yes, you can. You have a testimony. ...that you can share with them... ...of how God has worked in your life... ...how he has turned you maybe upside down... ...inside out and whatever else... ...and how he's turned your life around. He will provide for us. Jeremiah's mission and message... ...was to urge the people to turn from their sins. As Jeremiah 2, eight nineteen says... ...your evil will chastise you... ...and your apostasy will reprove you. Know and see that it is evil and bitter... ...for you to forsake the Lord your God... The fear of him is not in you, declares the Lord, God of hosts. How did the people respond to this? Forty years. Forty. Zero response. But Jeremiah stayed faithful to what God called him to. And he's also known as a weeping prophet. He wrote Lamentations. You can read through that as well. But 40 years. Charles Spurgeon talked about a some missionaries in the 1700s that went to Greenland. And they went to work with this indigenous uh, uh, tribe, and, and as he was working with them, or they were working with them, they didn't even know that there was a God. They didn't even know about Jesus Christ. So they tried to t- start teaching them just basic, this, 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 or whatever it was. And it went on for years without a single convert. And then this is what he wrote. He said, one day, one of the missionaries happened to read to a poor Greenlander the story of Jesus bleeding on the cross. And how God had sent his son to die, that whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. And the Greenlander said, would you read that to me again? What wonderful words. Did the son of God die for, for us poor Greenlanders? That we may live? And the missionary answered and said, and the, or, or he said it was so. And the guy started clapping. And he cried out, why did you not tell us before? It's not that Jeremiah wasn't telling the people. He told them what they needed to do. But the message here that we see in the life of Jeremiah and we see here in that story of the missionaries is don't give up. Just when you think it's hopeless, God can still provide. He can still help in any and every circumstance. Don't give up leaving a good and great legacy. Keep planting, keep watering those seeds and let God cause the growth in his Timing. Let's look at Ezekiel the prophet, Ezekiel 1.3. Ezekiel, his name means God strengthens or God is strong. It says in Ezekiel 1.3, the Lord, or the word of the Lord, came to Ezekiel, the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans, by the chabered channel, or canal And the hand of the Lord was upon him there. So he was called to the the Jewish cap those of held in captivity in Babylon and, and also people everywhere, it says, around the area. It says in Ezekiel chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet, and I will speak with you. And as he spoke to me, the Spirit entered me and set my on my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to the nations of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. Ezekiel's mission and message he was sent to announce God's judgment. You know, great, right? I got to go out and tell these people that are rebelling against you about His judgment upon them. Once again, it was brought with not much response. Very tough to go through that, the destruction of Jerusalem. But He also gave them a hope for a rebuilding and future blessings from God. William Carey he was a missionary in, in 1793, and, and he felt the burden to go and preach the gospel in India. For seven years, he proclaimed the gospel faithfully, week after week, month after month, with not a single convert. He struggled. There's some doubts at times. He was discouraged, but he never gave up. He never was defeated. He wrote this to his sisters. I feel as a farmer does about his crop. Sometimes I, I think the seed is springing up and thus I have hope. A little blasts it all, and my hopes are gone like a cloud. They were only weeds which appeared, for if I a little corn sprung up, it quickly dies, being either choked with weeds or parched by the sun of persecution. Yet I still hope in God, and will go forth in His strength and make mention of His righteousness, even of His only. Perseverance is the key in our walk with the Lord. Sometimes we think it's a foot race, but it's not. It's a marathon in our life as Christians. Well, now let's look at our tale. Ephesians 2 10 is a, a great verse that we need to know in our life. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We have our own fears and excuses. Jeremiah, remember, had fears and excuses. I can't speak. I'm too young. Some of our excuses is I can't help it. It's the way I was brought up. It's just the way I am. It's the way I was born. Well, everyone else is doing it. At least I'm not as bad as, oh man, we can't even go there, right? Every time we think that, we need to make sure we're seeing the other four fingers pointing at ourselves. Too busy. Don't feel well. Too old. Too young. All these things. Some of our fears are just things like flying or heights. Fear of speaking, fear of sharing our testimony, fear of sharing our faith. Our fears of something's too high or too dark. Fear of dying, of failure, of rejection, of commitment, fear of change. God takes care of our fears and excuses. He didn't take the excuses of Adam and Eve, he didn't take the excuses of Saul or Jeremiah. I had a coach in high school one time that always reminded us that everyone has excuses. And he followed it up with something I can't say in church. (laughs) But everybody has excuses. I mean, we'd come in the huddle, yeah, but no," no, no. Did you do your job? Was you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Yeah, but no. Everybody has excuses. Lamentations 3, 21 through 24 says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never, what, never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. We also have our valley of dry bones. Maybe this morning you find yourself in a valley. Maybe your valley is your marriage, your job, your family, school, just life. Remember back in the video, they had a little video of Ezekiel and as he got the vision of the dry bones? That's found in Ezekiel 37. God sends him there and shows him these bones. He tells him about their faithfulness and how he's going to restore them. And he restores these bones and ligaments and muscles and, and flesh and the body appears and breathes life in them. God is sharing with him that there is hope in this hopeless nation. God is sharing with us today that there is hope in hopelessness that we find in Warrensburg. There's hope and hopelessness that we find in our lives. There's hope and hopelessness that we may find in our marriage this morning. There's hope and hopelessness that we may find in our relationships that we have. There is hope and hopelessness that we may have in our jobs or in our situations. 1 Peter chapter chapter 1 verse 6 and 7 says this, in this you rejoice. So now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that, per- that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Know that there is hope in what seems to be your hopeless situation. Grow from your valley. Grow from your pain. Grow from your hardships. Share how Christ is getting you through that. Write it down, journal it, and you can look back and see that God has got me through a lot. The last thing this morning is our helper. God gave us the Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins through his unconditional love and unconditional grace that he gives us. He also, though, gave us a helper in the Holy Spirit. It talks about in Acts 2.38 as a free gift of baptism of the Holy Spirit. I have to remember that we are, as a Christian, the dwelling place. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's not in the building anymore, but it's in us. When Jesus ascended in Acts chapter 1, he reminded the disciples that there is something greater coming in you. That is the Holy Spirit to help guide, guard, and direct and protect us. We've got to remember that we are his workmanship created for good works. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. When you get a nudge from the Holy Spirit, move. In closing this morning, how do we get out of these valleys? Number one thing that we can get out of our valleys is if you have not accepted Jesus Christ, you need to accept Jesus. You need to accept and give your life to Jesus. Put your faith in Him, repent of your sin, confess Jesus as Lord, be baptized, and live out your life. Keep living out faith. Be faithful and having a hope and faith that God will get you through. Through prayer, through friends, we have to have others that are helping us through. Don't lone ranger your valley. There are many faces and names in this room right now that can testify to the faithfulness and the love of God. The God that has brought you out of the valley of the shadow of death to be risen in newness of life and into the light of the one true King, Jesus Christ. Let's stand. If you're here this morning and you desire to give your life to Jesus... Today should be your day. Do it today. Don't put off tomorrow what you can do today. Maybe you just need prayer. We've got prayer partners in the back corner. They'll pray with you. Let's sing.